What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own, Tyler Pacholke. We appreciate you all so much for listening to us. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on all of our newest episodes. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow us as well at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, Tyler and I will recap what happened in the first few playing tournament games as well as discuss some first-round playoff matchups we're looking forward to. We're also going to talk about who we think should win the regular season awards in the NBA and share our thoughts on the firing of Frank Vogel. All this and more on episode 245 of the TSK show coming up right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 245 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports, Sklar. Joining me as always, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke. What's up, TP? How are you, man? I'm good, man. This is arguably the best weekend in sports. Yes. First round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, getting game ones in. Uh, just kidding. You know, what is it? Eight game ones in in, in, in two days is, is great. And don't forget, before that, we got two more playing games. Yep. Tomorrow. Yep. Yep. Which is playoff basketball to me. Uh, the energy, at least in the arenas, have been. It's got to be playoff. Ba- it's not regular season basketball. And, you know, the numbers, you know, I think the argument's all about the numbers and where they should go. And Yeah. I don't believe the stats actually count for players' postseason, like, stats. Or, or regular season. Yeah. So Van, Van Gundy brought it up against the Hornet the, in the – um, Hornets Hawks game and the Hornets Hawks game and I I totally agree like you got to put the numbers somewhere you know? yeah that's that's very interesting that the NBA doesn't do that yeah yeah and, but, and I mean if the reason why you expanded it was to get you know every competitive team in there then it's the playoffs well and we can talk about how competitive some of these teams were in the in the play-in tournament uh in a little bit but something we haven't talked about uh and I, I wanted to talk about right off the bat real quick Tyler, something we haven't talked about uh, as much as I probably would have liked uh, just because there's been a bunch of other stuff going on in the sports world lately, but the Lakers show winning time on HBO yes. has been phenomenal. And I, I don't know dope. I don't know if we want to just say right now, spoiler alert, or I don't know how many spoilers we want to give away. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, because it's like historic events right. in a book. I mean, it's, People it's not know. necessarily we're spoiling things. This is this is all kind of documented history and not yeah. kind of documented history. It is documented history. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's really any any danger there. Okay. All right. I listen, you're a movie guy. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean uh, you want to be respectful I, of, yeah, yeah. of that I type think, of stuff. I think a sports documentary or kind of a you know Well, it's uh, not really a documentary it's, it's not either. It's a documentary, but I mean it's it's it's, it's a, I I I wouldn't want to say heavily dramatized, but it's definitely dramatized. Yeah. No, it's great. But it's it's been incredible. I mean, episode six just aired this past week. Um, we saw the ramifications after what happened with the Lakers head coach, Jack McKinney's bicycle accident 
which and... is a pretty wild story if you're not, right. if you're not familiar with it. And I don't think a lot of people are. I mean, it's a pretty. It, I mean, it happened forty years ago, so right. Um, but I mean, it was a big deal when it happened, but now it's kind of you know. I think a lot of people. That's been a huge shocker of the show. Right. So part of episode five was the bicycle accident where Jack McKinney on a day off from the Lakers was going to meet his assistant coach, Paul Westhead, at a tennis club to go play some doubles. And he decided to ride his bike, and his bike had a malfunction, and he basically flipped over the handlebars. Yeah, his 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 uh, his back brakes go out while he's going downhill, so when he goes, and he doesn't realize it, so when he goes to slam on the brakes, it only hits the front brakes. Right. So, so sending him over the handlebars. And he ends up being in a coma for about two weeks, and this is only like, five ten games into the season for the lakers so this is very early on into the season yeah definitely and now paul westhead has to take over as the head coach for the lakers and that's kind of where episode six leaves off um so i mean the basketball we didn't really get to see it uh for the first few episodes um but some of the best scenes i think of the season so far was the training camp episode when they were in palm springs yeah yeah, just, um, you know, there's a lot of goodies in, in there. But, you know, seeing the guys that cause, – because in retrospect, you know all the guys and what they did. But, you know, like Michael Cooper's story is probably relatively unknown. Norm Nixon's story is probably relatively unknown. There's aspects of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's story that's probably unknown. And he's a very private and person he, in general. And, and I mean, Magic and Kareem are, are as polarized players as anybody in NBA history, so – and, and they show see, it in the show. To see things that you'd never seen before is cool. Yeah, it's it's great, I think, because I've, I've always said growing up in the era that I grew up in, and Tyler somewhat, uh, you're a little bit older than I am, not too much, um, but um, in the era that we grew up in, I always said I wanted to go back to the 70s and 80s so I could see this basketball and see what was going on during that time because it was so monumental for yeah. the game and the yeah. league and what it meant. Yeah, when did the NBA start? When David Stern took over in the 70s? Ni- when, 1980. Yeah, when Larry Bird and Magic Johnson came to this. 1980, to, to me, I think is kind of the unofficial modern, this, the unofficial start of the modern NBA. I feel like 1980 is kind of the equivalent to the Super Bowl era. Well, you're you're not the only one that thinks um, like that either. That's probably yeah, relatively there's accepted. There's a couple big things in there. Um, Magic and Bird, uh, number one, and then number two, the three point line. Yeah, comes into play in 1980. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure David Stern took over the same year. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, I I believe David Stern took over the same year as Michael Jordan. So 19, 1984, maybe. Okay, yeah. So Stern was a few years after. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, not not either not, way. Yeah, not by much. Early eighties. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a great era to to see because you know basketball damn near died in the seventies. So yeah, it could have very yeah. well could have. Yeah. Yeah. And also, back to winning time. Shout out to John C. Riley for absolutely crushing it. Oh, there's a Dr. Bus. There's a lot of great um, acting performances. A lot uh, of great cameos too. We got a great one in episode six. Ma- Magic's done a really good job, uh, or the actor playing Magic has done a good job. Uh, the actor who plays Norm Nixon is his son. I I feel really bad. Uh, wait, Norm Nixon's son is playing is playing Norm Nixon. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. Makes sense. They look so much alike. Yeah. Um, I I I. I 
I really feel bad for Jeannie, though, man. Like she's, I feel like she's getting the worst of it. Of I, all the, I think a lot of people would say Jerry West is getting the worst of it. Yeah, but I mean, his ain't bad though. You know, like his isn't hard to watch. Like, oh, I was a fucking prick, or oh, I was, you know, like because I mean, Jerry West still gets portrayed as a Laker. I mean, he's still always around. You know, he's in the he's mix. with the Clippers though. He's just a he's just an angry guy. You know, like that's he's a riled up dude, a competitor. Well, he, he uh, has a lot of disdain portrayed. for the franchise now. No, yeah. No, but I, I would say the hard, like, I, I feel like Jeannie's getting it the worst. I mean, like, yeah. It would, it would be, I feel like it must be the hardest on her to watch this because it's about her family. Well, and I think the opening scene of what was it, episode four, where uh, Dr. Buss's ex-wife and all the kids run into Dr. Buss at the restaurant with a, oh, yeah, a young yeah. girl. No, no, that's uh, that was quite the opening scene to an episode. Well, those are those are the kind of things that I think make <laughs> it hard for her to watch this. Yeah, no, I th no, that's exactly uh, I think what you you were trying to say exactly. But I mean, if you haven't seen Winning Time on HBO, go do it. There's six episodes out now, so if you're a binger, you can binge the first six episodes and now. There's four more after this, and and it's officially been renewed for season two, so I'm I'm very interested to see where this season leaves off and where season two picks up because I've got to assume this this is gonna it's gonna end you know kind of simultaneously at the end of the first season yeah um, and at the like end of Magic's run I feel like we'll see a little bit of both like we'll see a lot of the so do you think at that championship season and i think there'll be there'll be you know there'll be little not callbacks because it's in the future but there'll be yeah. little glimpses into the future of how this all ends for magic interesting because just because that's how the show open i mean the first scene of right. the show opens right. up with him in a doctor's office so right so i mean uh, apparently the kobe shack book was picked up by hbo as well so i'm interested to see if it plays out like how you're saying, Tyler, in season two is about the Kobe Shaq era book that Jeff Perlman wrote. But I would prefer it's just not enough time to cover. I mean, I mean, you I, could do you could do fucking you could do five six seasons of this. Yeah, yeah, you could. Do I a think lot. that's what they should yeah, do, yeah, and then yeah. well, of course you do. Later on down the road, we'll we'll talk about the Kobe Shaq book. It's opening up a lot of, you know, opportunity, too, for other teams to do these kind of stories because there's a lot of good stories like that in sports. Oh, yeah. Pl plenty of good stories like this in sports. And, I mean, you could go to any one of these iconic franchises that have had longtime family owners like the Lakers with the buses or the Cowboys with the Joneses or the Yankees with the Steinbrenners. Um, I'm Yeah, I mean, or, 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 or the, my, the Michael Rooney's. and the Bulls or, you know, there's, there's yeah. a lot of different, you know. War, the Warriors and how they built their team from from scratch and yeah and there's I mean there's an endless amount of options and what's cool is you could start you know now now I'm gonna get into the my my filmmaking head a little <laughs> bit and, but like you can eventually you know if you wanted to do it like Marvel style with HBO and have a whole universe, universe of NBA and you know Magic can come that actor can come and play magic on you know the kobe and shaq one right and they i mean they kind of did that in the in the first episode first i think it was the second and third episode where we see dr bus interact with red Auerbach from the Celtics. yeah 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 yep and that's that's definitely kind of where that thought spurred yeah because those are great those are great clips oh yeah and i mean we I did mean, talk and about if, and, and if you don't know it you know it's like when magic 
when Magic got to the Lakers, it was like a twelve to two lead championships wise. I mean, oh, it was bad. It seemed it seemed as if they it was insurmountable. Yeah, and then Magic wins five, and now Magic. Well, now the Lakers. I mean, we sit here today with the Lakers having more. You know, no, so. they're tied seventeen seventeen. All right, all right. So they made the comeback. Yes. Well, technically, the Lakers do have one National Basketball League championship that yeah, doesn't no one, count. Yeah, no one. But we don't count those. I mean, hey, we count the real. We count the ones we count. <laughs> but anyway, if you haven't gone and seen Winning Time, go do it. It's incredible. Uh, last thing before we actually really kick off the show, Tyler. You activated the TSK show fantasy football league right before we started I sent, recording. I sent waves throughout the fantasy football <laughs> world that that the ripples could be felt all over. We are officially on the clock for the 2022-2023 yeah, TSK show fantasy football league draft. Yeah, we're first weekend in Vegas. We're 100 134 and a half days out. 134 and a half days out? Yep. Wow. Seems far away, right? Yeah. I okay. mean, the draft right. is in like two weeks. Huh? The NFL yeah. draft is yeah, in like two yeah. weeks. No, that's going to be, I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah. But we just had to, to let the people know that it's on again for next year. TSK Show Fantasy Football League. Yeah. Tyler and I were the first two people to lock in our keepers for yeah. next season. Yep. Um, Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup are already off the board. Yep. And uh, yeah. It's the way yeah. it goes. I'll probably go back and forth with my second guy. I'm not um, keeping a second guy. I'm just throwing that out there now. But I know uh I know I know Jonathan Taylor's coming back, baby. <laughs> well, all right, Tyler. We got a, a lot to talk about with the NBA playoffs, the regular season awards, and uh we'll kind of put a bow on the Lakers season with what they did after their last game. So let's get right to it. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Five seconds at mid court. Final seconds. You take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. naked. All right, Tyler, we were talking a little bit about the playing tournament uh, there in the intro, but, oh, damn. Sorry, I got the Dodger game on in the studio, and Walker Buehler's got the bases loaded with two outs, and he just, he he's, so it was a one and two count, and then he threw a ball. So, all right, sorry. I was distracted. Tyler, let's let's get back to the playing tournament. Don't they always throw a ball? What else would they throw? Well, like yeah. A rock? No. Damn. Got him, guys. Got him. That was a good one. Damn it. I'm very upset with myself. <sighs> nice baseball. Baseball All right. words. Dodgers are out of the inning. Ground go, out. Go Dodgers. Yes, sir. Um, all right, Tyler. The playing tournament has been, I think, pretty good. I think yesterday's games uh, kind of were a little bit. They were a little sleepy. Yes. They were a little on a sleep, man. <laughs> yeah. But the first set of games were incredible. Mm-hmm. The Nets and the Cavs. That seven eight game is great. Uh, it always will be if that's you know the structure they leave because it's a win and end. You know, yeah. Um, it's that's a that's a big time game. 
But if you lose, you're not necessarily out. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a you win, win one game, you're the seventh seed, which is not bad. No, not bad at all. But so in the Eastern Conference, the Nets, they beat the Cavaliers 115 uh, to 108 in Brooklyn on Tuesday. Kyrie Irving had a phenomenal scoring performance, 34 points, 12 of 15 shooting. Kevin Durant did his thing. Bruce Brown stepped up big for them as well. And I don't want what I'm about to say to come off like I'm really that big of a hater. But, I mean, let's be real here. I, I love watching Kyrie Irving play. I think he's incredible for the game of basketball. I think it's great that he's back out there playing. Um, obviously, you can have your own conversation about your thoughts on his vaccine status and all of that and whether you thought he should have been playing or shouldn't be playing. That's neither here nor there. But let's be real here. Kyrie Irving is putting up these types of performances right now, and it's great. It's incredible to watch these scoring performances that he's been doing. But he's got the freshest legs of anybody in the league right now. Yeah. He sat out for half the year, yep. basically. So I really don't think it was that big of a surprise that the Nets came in and beat the Cavaliers in this game yesterday, or two days ago now. Yeah, no, I mean, this was kind of the the trade-off, you know, we spoke about was they're going to they're going to give up a little bit in chemistry and kind of just reps together on the court, uh which is why they're in the 7th seed, uh but they're going to come in fresh and healthy and ready to go and you know, we always spoke about how, you know, the level of these guys that are playing, you know, if anyone can kind of just click it in, it's probably them. Yeah, definitely. And they still haven't added Ben Simmons to the mix. We don't really know what his status will be for the playoffs. I think they're I think I saw a report that they're trying to target a game four return for Ben Simmons in this first round matchup with the Celtics, uh, which we can get to in a little bit. Um, but something that I found very interesting with the Nets and shout out to Mike Trudell, uh, the Lakers sideline reporter. He brought it up on the Laker film room podcast. The Nets had more starting lineups than the Lakers did this year. And the, and the Lakers had 41 starting lineups. That's a new yeah, starting lineup that, every other game. That's, yeah. that's a wild stat. I didn't even realize the Nets had more starting lineups than the Lakers. Well, and the Nets were second in the NBA last year in starting lineups, which makes sense because you know, they um, were dealing with a bunch of stuff last year too. So only the Rockets who were just throwing out trash all last year. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Brooklyn since in the Steve Nash era, there has been no consistent lineup. There is no starting lineup in the Steve, Steve Nash era. There's a group of players that there's a core with. that play. There's a, there's a group of players they play with, but it, which is scary because I mean, fuck, if, think of next year, the same starting lineup plays 60 games together. They're going to be lethal. Right. And they'll have a healthy Ben Simmons, healthy Kyrie, healthy Kevin Durant, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's... I mean, I, I, yeah, for sure. They're dangerous. Yeah. We can talk more about them as, as we talk about uh, the first round uh, in a little bit. Now, the Timberwolves beating the Clippers was a great game. It was back and forth all game. But Carl Anthony Towns, who was in foul trouble all night, which really impacted his performance, he fouled out with 734 to go in the game, and the Clippers were up 93-86. to They go on to lose to the Timberwolves 109-104. to Anthony Edwards led the way for the Timberwolves with 30. D'Angelo Russell had 29 after a slow start. 
Uh, he hit the game-clinching long two that I think live I thought was a three, and he did the whole ice in his vein celebration that he did back with the Lakers. And I saw a whole bunch of Laker fans that are still rooting for the baby Lakers on Twitter doing that. Uh, they they all tweeted the the same gif of him doing the, the ice in his vein he celebration. Was, he was the worst one of all those fucking <laughs> baby Lakers. But there's not a more like there's got a there isn't a more unpopular star in the league than D Russell. I feel like yeah he was he was definitely either you either loved D'Angelo Russell as a Lakers fan or you hated him as a Lakers fan. Uh, but he's been thriving ever since he left the Lakers, and I mean really all the baby Lakers have, and good for them. It's it's great to see them flourish in the league. It's just a testament to the Lakers scouting department, in my opinion. But back to the Timberwolves Clippers, Tyler. Patrick Beverly stole the show after the after the game. And well, and this was his this was his matchup, you know. Right, it's against his old team. Uh and I actually went to the Clippers uh Timberwolves game this year. Oh, you Oh, that's right. And we sat like we sat, you know, way down there in the 100 levels for that game and Pat Bev was all riled up and Clipper Daryl was like he was giving it to him, interacting with him the whole night and Patrick <laughs> Bev like showed a lot of love at the end. It was funny. Now we have to talk about him celebrating after. I mean, I was pretty against what happened. If you if you saw my tweets, me and Jordan and Carlson were going back and forth about it. Is this another like Jamal Adams scenario? Kind of, yeah. I mean, well, no. I mean, at least, uh, no. It is the Jamal Adams scenario because, listen. Yeah, I mean, I think that. I he think clinched the seventh seed, dude. Don't be jumping up on the scores table like you just won the NBA championship throwing your jersey in the stands. It's I'm a, all for there's celebrating. There's also a personal victory in this one. I'm fine you with know, that. Uh, he, was waving to, he was waving to the bench during the game like, a revenge. take your ass home. I'm fine with all of that. I think there's a revenge game scenario, and there's different levels of victories within you know different franchises and where they're at. I mean, Minnesota is one of the the youngest franchises, one of the worst. Like, I think they might be the worst NBA franchise. Seventeen year playoff drought. Uh, well, and, and win percentage, all time win percentage. That might be, yeah. I think they're the worst um, NBA franchise. So, in saying all that, like, is, is it a is it a monumental thing? No, but is it something to celebrate and get excited about? I mean. That's why you got to get players like him in Minnesota just to get the fans excited about something. I guess. I don't know. It's just he clinched the seventh seed. Like, you were in the Western Conference Finals last year. You know what it takes to – like, the, you know the job's not done. I, uh, underst I understand yeah, celebrating yeah. No, in the moment no, and all sure. of that. For but sure. it's like – But, you know, for this Timberwolves team, uh, uh, you know, beating – him beating his old team to get there, you know, I think it's – they ended the drought, man. I guess. I Tell mean, you what, Mariners better crack a beer if they get to the playoffs. <laughs> well, he did get fined for cursing after the game, which, okay, I don't believe he should have been fined. He got fined 30K, but then I saw he tweeted out a, like a Venmo link trying to like beg fans to get him to pay this fine. Like, dude, it's 30K. Just pay the fine. Yeah. Don't, don't beg fans for to pay your fine. Yeah. Like, stop. Come on. Weird. That's a weird flex. Yeah. So that that also has really turned me off. But I mean, Patrick Beverly is one of those guys where you either hate him, you hate him when he's not on your team, but you love him when he's on your team. You everybody wants wants him on their team. Yeah, you know he's that kind of guy. He's but good, good for basketball, you know, stirs the pot. <laughs> he, he he's good for basketball. He love, definitely love, stirs the pot. That's for sure. I love some Pat Bev. I mean, you just you want you know 
you want people to be competitive. You don't want everybody to kind of just walk around with the same kind of, uh, you know, respect for each other. I mean, obviously he still has respect, but at least he brings a competitive nature to the game, which is kind of the part that's missing from the older eras. Oh, for sure. So I think for sure. there's, you know, he's a different breed now. He's the last of a dying breed, I guess. Yeah, one of the last for sure. Chicago, there's there's Chicago a few in kid, there, you know. Oh, I mean, he was working out on the beach in Timberlands, dude. No, definitely. I mean, he's <laughs> who does that? He's got he's cut from that cloth, and I and I like it. All right. Well, anyway, the the Timberwolves they move on. Uh, we'll talk about their um, upcoming first round playoff matchup in a little bit. Uh, moving on to the nine ten matchups, Tyler, the Hawks and the Hornets yesterday. The Hawks absolutely waxed the Hornets. Uh, and that was a clear case of experience beating inexperience. I think the Hawks won 132 to 103. I know the the yeah. Hornets were in the playing tournament last year. They lost to the Pacers, and so they kind of have some playoff playing no, experience. No. Well, but the good, the good thing for Charlotte is they're not really supposed to be there. Um, no, they're kind of like I would say they're ahead of schedule as far as their team development. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Tyler's been drinking some Baja Blast. Yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Um, no, I mean I think that uh I think that they're ahead of schedule, you know, that first year they put together that team with, you know, rookie LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward. He just didn't that just didn't look like a playoff basketball team. Well, Miles Bridges is taking a and, jump too. He he's in the so, running for most improved this year. Yeah, and so now they've, you know, they've taken, you know, Melo took the big jump. Miles Miles took a big jump. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward was dealt with some injuries. Uh, they picked up some more pieces. They're built. They're they're on schedule. You know, I don't see them as a playing team next year. Yeah, and what's funny is you can say the same thing with the Hawks. Is they weren't really supposed to be in this playing tournament yeah. either. No, but the opposite way in a negative aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they should have. They needed to take, like, with the step that Hornets need to take next year is what they should have taken this year. Yeah, um, they should have been a top six seed for sure. Uh, and and you know. The, that game in particular, both stars struggled. I mean, uh, LaMelo and Trey Young were both 3 for 13 at halftime, yeah. uh, both under 10 points, I think, or 10 or 12 points. LaMelo, I think, ended like 8 of 25 and, or something and like so, that. so, you know, it was it was a poor, poor scoring performance from the two stars on each team. And so the role players kind of were what the difference was. And, you know, Atlanta's team is, is a lot deeper and, and a lot higher quality role players. So it makes sense. We got that outcome. Yeah. And I think just looking at the box box score, it was a much more balanced attack from the Hawks than well, yeah, the Hornets. Yeah, I mean Trey Trey wasn't Trey wasn't hitting. So I mean you had you had Gallo and, and Bogdanovich uh all scored decently in the in the first half. Uh and Capella and, doing the dirty and, work and down low. Like even even, you know, even guys like Capella uh, and DeAndre Hunter and those guys got in the mix. Yeah. Now, the Pelicans and Spurs game was a bit closer, um, but the Pelicans were really in control of that game for the most part. Uh, it ended up being the Pelicans winning 113-103. C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram were just hell-bent on not having their season end last yeah, night. Yeah, I mean, they had the two best players, you know, in, this, in the game, essentially. You know, I love DeJounte, uh, and I would pick DeJounte over B.I., but I would say a lot of people... We'll probably say CJ and BI were the two best players in that game. And DeJounte didn't have a really great game either. Yeah, and I mean he's a team guy, you know, he's not a takeover guy. So But he didn't the, shoot the, that this, well either. The Spurs team is just weird. I mean, I can't believe the Spurs team made it this far. 
Well, the Lakers kind of uh, handed it to him on a silver and, platter. Uh, well, so did the other, you know, the other couple handful of teams. Yeah, them, so. the Spurs weren't really in the mix at all, and then yeah. they kind of found themselves in yeah. the second half of the season, like, hey, we we kind of can make a run at this. So they did, and uh, and they're in a weird spot, you know, with their franchise. Uh, they have a lot of good, they've got a lot of good pieces, um, but none of them are like the 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 you know the the crown jewel yet. Dejounte is a support piece. You know, he's a high caliber player, but I think that he's gonna play better with off of somebody that's he I was gonna kind say he of can't a, be your number buck, one option. No, he's not a buck he's not a guy that's just gonna create a shot for himself. He's a guy that does everything. Um he's a great team guy, uh, a great supporting guy. Great defender. Uh, great defender. I mean, very much in the same breath as like Clay and Kawhi, where they're not necessarily number one options on offense. Like they play better off of other people. But they are just the greatest support. You know their skill sets are so good. I think Kawhi's more the most number one option out of the those. Yeah, three yeah, guys. and that took him a long time. You know that yeah. took him a long time to get there. So um, the Spurs, they need to. I don't know what they're gonna do. We'll see what Pop does. I was gonna say, do you think that was his last game last night? No, I think Pop's Pop won't walk away until he feels like there's that guy there. I also think similar, he kind of likes coaching to, this young team, similar to Bruce Arians. You know, I think that it's like once he feels like they're okay, he'll he'll leave. Yeah, he's also I know R.C. Buford is like in the front office as well in San Antonio, but I'm pretty sure Pop is also the GM there. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know I think you know maybe Duncan, maybe Duncan's in the mix. I don't know, you know, but he was I, an assistant. I don't think he was an assistant this year, but he he was an assistant for one year, I think. I do know that uh, I do think that Pop has enjoyed you know coaching. I mean, this is really the first the this, this year and last year are really the first two years he's coached without a superstar. Yeah, you know, so. and I think I think he's kind of in, I think he's found a way to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, I mean, I think he only missed the playoffs once. I think last year was the only time he missed the playoffs. Yeah, because technically this, I mean, so I think he's like twenty four for twenty five seasons. This gets into this gets into the conversation we were having at the beginning of the episode as far as the stats go, but. Yeah, this, yeah. I mean, the, I the just Spurs technically made the playoffs this year. Yeah, personally, in my head, playing teams are playoff teams. You know, it's yeah. just it's the first four in in, in the tournament or tournament teams uh, as far as March Madness. So, I I know the NBA hasn't uh, kind of done that yet, but in my mind, those games, those numbers, those are all playoffs. Yeah, I I would have to agree with that because it isn't a regular season game. Those games and if mean you something win, else and if you win you keep going in the playoffs which is what the playoffs are you win you advance right you well, go until you lose yeah well essentially except for these eight and nine teams well no i mean you're you play until you lose they lost game one they're out but it's like yeah you know, i mean the you, playing tournament is essentially double elimination yeah well yeah for for two of the teams yeah but just in general, you know what I mean? Like those 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 playing games are win to advance or lose to go home. Essentially, yeah. That, that's what it is. Yeah. Now whether it's one game or or seven games, that's what the playoffs are. Yeah. Now speaking of the teams uh in the double elimination portion of the playing tournament, we got two games tomorrow. Uh like we said before we kick off, uh I believe it's eight straight games on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, to kick off the first round of the playoffs. But the 8-9 matchup in the East, the Cavaliers and the Hawks, I think the Hawks win this game. Yeah. Uh, 
Their experience, I think, is going to be key over the Cavs, just like it was over the Hornets. The Cavs, I think, are one year ahead of schedule, and um, it's been a great run for them. Came out of nowhere, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, no, Cleveland and Charlotte both should be super excited about what they got going on. Definitely, definitely. Um, and now they're going to start attracting, you know, it's going to be a little easier to get free agents. You know, you're going to get a couple more guys that are available that weren't, you know, because they want to play for a winner, so... Yeah, definitely. And now the Clippers and Pelicans, I think, is a much bigger toss-up of a game than... God, the West is so bad this year. I mean, all but, these Eastern Conference teams are interesting. But these two teams, I think... I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, the Clippers... I, th I, think, I think the Clippers are going to handle them. I think the Clippers do end up winning, but... If Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum have a game like they did against the Spurs or even in, in games like they did against the Lakers at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, they, they have some firepower um, for sure. You know, to have two all-stars, to have two all-star caliber players that are scorers um, out there, you know, that's just as good as most teams. I think the X factors for both the Pelicans and the Clippers are going to be Zubak and Valanciunas in this game. And if Paul George can... Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes, and if Paul George can be like See, efficient so shooting, that's where I think I just think that Ty Lue's coaching ability with with Paul George being the best player on the court, Reggie Jackson's going to be able to compete with CJ. Um, I like I like the Willie Clip Green's a first year head coach. I like the Clippers winning this game. Yeah, I think ultimately the Clippers do win this game, especially uh, with the way their season has gone and Ty Lue getting getting his guys up for games that are really important. I know. Uh, it didn't really come come to pass against the um, who did they? Why am I already blanking the the Timberwolves? Jeez, um, but uh, I think I do think the Clippers end up winning this game against the Pelicans. Yep. No, I'm 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 excited to see the Clippers uh, get in there and and play Phoenix. Honestly, well, you can be excited for that. Uh, I I mean, it's just <laughs> I, I'm just honestly just flabbergasted. This Clippers team, it's been. No, we've it's I, been so it's been so crazy. And now that they threw in a Paul George, it's like, man, if they compete at a high level, you know, you never know what can happen. Yeah. And I mean, listen, we've talked glowingly about the Clippers the last two, three weeks, and it's only now continued again this mm, week. So yeah, that's that's yeah. enough of that. Hey, I mean, they're doing it. No, they are. They deserve it. They deserve it. Uh, but all right, Tyler, let's let's move on to the first round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, we'll start in the East again. The number one seed, Miami Heat, they'll be taking on either the Cavaliers or the Hawks. We believe it will be the Hawks. Uh, I got the Heat winning this series in six games. I think Trey Young can possibly steal one or two games from the Heat. I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup down low with the big guys with Clint Capella and Bam Adebayo. I think Bam Adebayo has the edge in that, but Clint Capella is no slouch either. Um, as far as the supporting roles go, um, I think... Miami just has a little bit more firepower as as far as that goes. They've got a lot of weird depth too, you know. Yeah, they've got they a do. lot of got a lot of veterans in the backcourt and all that. So uh, I definitely like Miami to win win that first series. And then moving on now to the number two versus the seven seed. This I think is going to be one of the marquee series of the entire playoffs. And it's going to be a really fun first round series for everybody. Yeah, rematch. Celtics versus Nets. I got the Nets winning in seven. Yeah, seven would be dope. I think the Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn could could get it done in six. 
This is going to be a great. This is going to be a great. Uh, a great series. Arguably the two best small forwards in the league. Yeah, with Tatum and Durant. Yeah. Um, Marcus Smart is as good of a. He's as good of a coverage for Kyrie as anybody in the defensive league. defensive player of the year um, candidate. So it's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be a fight. You know, you got the Kyrie and Boston relationship still there. Boston and Ben Simmons probably don't have the greatest relationship because Boston and Philly hate each other. And 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 you know. Jalen Brown's gonna be uh he's gonna be an X factor. So Oh yeah. Well we'll uh we'll we'll see like Boston has plenty of firepower, but I just I think Brooklyn's could win the East. Yeah, if, if Brooklyn's hundred percent healthy and I mean no matter if, really, ben if Simmons Kyrie is... and K D are out there, it's yeah. gonna be tough. Yeah. But I... this is gonna be a really good series. I mean all, all of these Eastern Conference series, I don't see anyone getting swept. Uh that's where I stop you, my friend. The Bucks and the Bulls, the three six matchup. I think the Bucks sweep the Bulls. Yeah, no Lonzo. No Lonzo. Man, that that's I don't know. This Chicago team had a really good year. They did. Um, they've got a lot of good pieces going for them. I definitely think that DeRozan and Levine and those guys can win a game. I think Giannis and the Bucks are on a mission to repeat. Yeah, I would I would say so. They're definitely not. <laughs> they're definitely no, not. That, not that's obviously to, that's but, obviously uh, the like the obvious thing but to say but, but they're they're healthy and they're, they're the same old it's the same old thing you know uh Giannis is unstoppable and Chicago's got nothing for him yeah they're basically running back the same core that they have yep yep um so I mean I, I like Milwaukee for sure probably five uh but Chicago definitely is gonna get some wins no it, it wouldn't shock me if Chicago were to to steal like a game three the first playoff game at home type scenario they've got a lot of good small ball pieces to play against Milwaukee with Vucevic out there. Yeah, definitely. Now, the 4-5 matchup, we got the 76ers versus the Raptors. I got the Raptors winning in seven, Tyler. All the pressure is on James Harden, in my opinion, to show up. The Raptors were really under the radar this year for a lot of teams or and really a lot of people in general, and I think they're going to surprise some people. No, no, Toronto is for sure a sneaky guy because, I mean, last year they, they played – every game on the road last year they didn't have any home games so they did their they, entire you know, season in tampa bay florida this is their you know they're back they they were back in toronto it's kind of back to a normal a more normal um season they've still got a lot of those names around from when they were really good uh and winning an nba championship they pascal got, siakam you know, van vliet uh, og ananobi's healthy yep and then you know you've got the guys like chris boucher uh scotty barnes a nice rookie piece a hell of uh, gary, a rookie piece gary trent um they've they've like routed out that team that's they have a really really good starting five uh and and nick nurse relies heavily on his his starters so um they're a really good like i said i love the eastern conference is so much better than the west this year yeah we've talked about top that. to bottom but i definitely got philly winning this thing in six I just I think the Embiid Harden pair can can work. I think it can work. It's championship or bust for that pair. Hundred percent. But I just I don't think they had enough time together to to make it work. And I mean, we've all seen Doc Rivers collapse in the playoffs before, and this is could be another opportunity for that to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just about everybody's had something. You know, <laughs> he's not the only one that's collapsed in the playoffs. No, he's not. Uh, but. I think Nick Nurse is a better well, coach and, than Doc Rivers. Maybe, maybe. Uh, and, and this is this is a rematch. You know, Toronto's the one that sent Philly home the year they probably should have won it. 
uh, Kawhi hits a corner, you know, a corner three in the semifinals. Over the backboard. Seven. Crazy. So there, there's a little rematch right there as well. Um, and I just don't think they got anything for Embiid. Um, yeah. I, I've got a really hard time picking between Embiid, Giannis, and then KD and Kyrie. I really don't know who's going to win the East out of that. Yeah. I mean, the East, the East playoffs are definitely going to be a dogfight. Yeah. All right, moving on to the West, uh, we got the one seed, the Phoenix Suns versus either the Clippers or the Pelicans. We think it's going to be that's uh, probably the Clippers. Gonna be, that's probably going to be a sweep show. I I think the Clippers could actually win a game or two against the Suns. Um, I, I do have the Suns winning the series, but um, I think the Clippers maybe could sneak a game or two out of it. But, I mean, with the Clippers, they aren't supposed to be in the playoffs the Suns have been the best team in, in the NBA all year. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges. Yep. It's they've been phenomenal. And they, I think, are on a mission, just like the Bucks are on a mission to repeat. I think the Suns are trying to basically prove to everybody that last year wasn't a fluke because of all the injuries to the other teams that they faced. Yep. So Phoenix, I think, has a little bit Which of a chip on their shoulder. The West, the West is all beat up. <laughs> Once again. Clippers, Clippers got no Clippers got no Kawhi. Golden State's got Curry all banged up. No Jamal Murray. No Michael Porter Jr. No, you know. Maybe no Luka. Maybe no Luka, which would just be awful. Yeah, it would be. Um, but I I have the Suns winning that series um in five or six. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I think they're gonna win that one handily. Now, Four or five. the two-seven matchup, the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves, is going to be incredible. It's going to be an interesting one. It'll definitely be a big one for the young young NBA fans out there. Um, you know, having the uh, John Morant, who I would say is kind of the 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 face of the young NBA at this point right now. Yeah, definitely. And then you know, Anthony Edwards, the number one pick. Um, Who's also going to be the face of the young NBA right now? Yeah, yeah. And then you got, and then there's a lot of talent outside of those guys. You know, Stephen Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell. So this, Desmond this, Bain. This one can go. Dylan Brooks. This one can go either way, but I honestly think that Minnesota is going to going to pull it out. Wow. I just I I've I've kind of felt all year Memphis was doomed to kind of lose in the first round, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, See, I think this is the perfect opportunity for them to not lose in the first round because they, they got, got the, the Timberwolves. Second, and they got the second seed, which was huge. I right. Mean, playing Denver, Dallas, or Utah is a different story. Right. I think the Grizzlies win this series in seven games, but this series is two teams that don't know what they don't know. These two teams are very inexperienced yeah. in the playoffs. and I so It's going to come down to John Cat for sure. Uh, I think... Carl Anthony Towns can win this series by himself. Um, Listen, there were a lot of jokes during that playing game about how the playoffs ain't for cats. They're only for dogs. <laughs> well, we'll see. We will see. Cat, cat is a guy that, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not been a huge fan of his, his, his career, but I haven't been like a hater. Uh, but I've only gained more respect for him throughout this COVID, you know, stuff that kind of rooting for him at this point. Yeah. I just... Uh, I don't know. It, it kind of rubs me the wrong way that he's he's kind of taken under Pat Bev's wing and and he's been barking a lot when he he really hasn't done as much. I mean, I think Pat Bev's almost no. the more 
not more accomplished player than the NBA. That, that's probably the wrong way to put it. But no, no. But I mean, it, as far as accomplished versus like what your you know, like what your skills and what your career was supposed to go. Right. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is is a top, he's either the third or the fourth best big guy in the NBA. You know, it's like the only the only people that are better than Carl Anthony Towns as a big guy is Embiid, Jokic, and Ant. I really don't think Giannis. I, I, you know, Giannis is a fucking freak, though. That, <laughs> we, we don't know what position he plays. He's not a big. He's not a big. You know, he's he's not a big like KD is not a big or Ben Simmons. Is not I don't a know. Big. Cat Cat really rubbed me the wrong way when he was barking at the Lakers. Whenever like you're barking at the Lakers and like yeah, but hey, hurt. at least like, he's not being a pussy anymore. You know what I mean? That's he's, fair. He's got a little fight in him. That's fair. Uh, if you want to be a dog, you got to bark a little bit, right? Yeah, but he's a cat. He he's his initials spell cat <laughs> the wrong way. All right. Well, Grizzlies Timberwolves I think is has the potential to be just as exciting as the Celtics Nets series that's, in the East. That's that's probably the hardest series to decide from in in all of the playoffs. So the eight series that's that's probably the toughest one. It's coin flip. I would probably throw Mavericks Jazz in there just because of the Luka injury, but we'll get to that in a second. First, we got to talk about the Warriors and the Nuggets in the 3-6 matchup. I think the Warriors are going to win in seven. Um, this is a scary one. I mean, if I mean, Steph's got to be healthy. Steph's got to be healthy, and they got to figure out a way to stop Jokic because realistically, the, the Warriors really have no big man. No, there's no there's no Wiseman, um, which even though Wiseman, uh, you know, hasn't played a lot, he's still a 7-1 body that you need, you know, so... That would have helped them out big time, um, but not having him hurts. It's going to be interesting to see what if, you know, kind of the older version of the Golden State Warriors can be an unstoppable Jokic. Yeah, but if Draymond, Clay, and Steph are healthy in a playoff series, it's really hard to bet against them. No, it is. It is. But they're playing against somebody they got zero for. Yes. They've got nothing to, to you know, to throw at Jokic. I mean... But Kayvon Looney and and um, Moses Moody. No, he's a guard. Who, oh yeah, who, who's the? Uh, uh, Damian Lee. I'm trying to think of their backup center. Damian Lee's a perimeter player too, but either way, that's not a good sign. <laughs> um, so let's hope. Kaminga's a forward, really. Oh, is it Bielicha? Is that? Oh, who, uh, who they're throwing out there now. Yeah, I think so. I don't know, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm going with uh, I'm going with with Golden State. I'm picking Golden State to win, uh, just because I believe Curry's going to play. If Curry doesn't play, there's no chance Golden State wins. I think the game plan for Golden State has to be: you let Jokic do what he does and just shut everybody else down, and you just let Jokic tire himself yeah. out through the series. Yeah, no, I mean, it's he he can do it though. He, no, I know he, really he can. He's a one man band, but. I think ultimately the 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 Warriors will have too much for them. All right, moving on. Four or five matchup in the West: the Mavericks versus the Jazz. The Mavericks are the four seed. Jazz are the five seed. If Luca's healthy, he's been ruled out for Game One already. If Luca can come back and and looks to be somewhat healthy and and somewhat uh, in form of what he is, I have the Mavericks winning this series in seven, just because I have no faith in the Utah Jazz whatsoever as a team because of the entire dynamic between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and all that stuff that Quinn Snyder was talking about in that SWAT vest after the game uh, a couple of weeks ago. 
Um, and they just prove time and time again they can't get it done in the playoffs year after year. But as if, far as winning the West goes, right, they've won a lot of playoff series. Yes, but as far as getting to the Western Conference Finals, they have never even done that. No, which is not good. Um, but I just, I personally just don't think, uh, um, you know, a Luka Doncic that isn't hundred percent can beat the Jazz by himself. No, I mean if if Luka is Mavs have nothing after Luka. Jazz will win the series in five if Luka's not 100%. Yeah, so I, I Or like, even 80%. I, I mean, even if Luka's out there, I like the Jazz to win this series. It's just, I mean, I just think it's team. It's a team versus a one-man show. I, I compared it to, you know, I watched those Philly, those, those Allen Iverson Philly teams very closely, and this is a very, very Allen Iverson Philly basketball team they got down there in Dallas. Yeah. And and it sucks because he was banged up and just, you know, he could barely move his upper body last playoffs. You know, he really has – his his usage has been so much. He's gone into playoffs. His his first two playoff series um, just well, his banged Well, bo- his body is very weird. He's, he's like, either out of shape or he's, like, I feel like in shape to well, a point where he's, he's like – He's a big-ass dude. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's why it's His it's body's weird. very unproportional. Yeah, he's 6'8". With a yeah, with a extremely like lanky wingspan. Yeah, and like kind of a soft body. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's the first round of the playoffs and how we think it shakes out. I think these playoffs are going to be very exciting, even though the the East is a bit stronger than the West this year, like we've kind of talked about a bunch. But I think there's a lot of great storylines in in all of these different series. That's that's going to make it compelling for yeah. all different kinds I mean, of NBA fans. Whoever wins the West this year, it's going to be a great story. You know, any one of those teams, it's like it's a toss up. Yeah, definitely. But all right, let's uh let's move on now, Tyler. Let's let's talk about the regular season awards, uh, and we'll start obviously with the MVP. I'm actually going to change my vote. We, we kind of talked about it last week, uh, if I remember correctly, and I'm pretty sure we both agreed on Joel Embiid. Well, last, I mean, you said that you thought Jokic was going to win it. Right. I ultimately, I still ultimately yeah, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I still ultimately think Jokic is going to yeah. win it. I'm voting for, for Embiid. I'm voting for Giannis. Yeah. Hey, that's, you're, you're not letting fatigue come into play. Listen, I, I saw this point get brought up by Coley Mick from Barstool, and he's a Boston guy, so I, I'm pretty sure he was trying to make the argument for Jason Tatum to be the MVP in this case. But Philly blew the lead for their division, and basically for the the three seed, or the, they ultimately just settled for the four seed. Yes, they have 51 wins, but they really in the second half of the season, and once the Harden trade kind of became official, and we kind of saw where his health was at, they kind of just tanked part of the season to where they kind of just settled for where they were at and Embiid sat out a couple of games Harden was out a bunch of games but that doesn't really affect Embiid's MVP case but just overall it really turned me off of Embiid's case for MVP and then also the fact that they blew a 15 point lead at home to the Denver Nuggets in Nikola Jokic oh yeah no that was a big game yeah for sure so but it's, Embiid played well. It's just Embiid the, played great yeah, that game. The Sixers. Right. But I just, I think ultimately the MVP debate needs to be between Jokic and Giannis and and not uh, Embiid. Giannis, man, that would be what? Three of them for him? 
three in four years. Yeah, pretty good. And two of them were back-to-back. We're, we're witnessing greatness. Saddle up now and enjoy it now, you know. Like you said, if he's a freak. He's but, a freak. But also— And, I mean, we spoke about Giannis. I mean, we've obviously covered the Giannis era. Um, and we, I mean, we used to talk about, uh, well, at least I used to bring up, he was, you know, four years ago was, he was Michael Jordan in 88, you know. Oh, was that was like, your favorite comparison. It was, it's, it's, this dude's coming and, and he's the best basketball player in the world. But listen, I mean, he averaged 29.9 points per game, 11.6 rebounds a game, 5.8 assists, 1.1 steals, 1.4 blocks. He shot 55% from the field. He slid over to a different position and played a bunch of center while Brooke Lopez was out and was the main defensive anchor for that Milwaukee Bucks team. And they were able to win 51 games in a very competitive East. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants on the court. Yeah. He really can. His game is just continually getting better and better. I Yeah. And like I said, I still ultimately think the, the award actually in real life goes to Nikola Jokic, but if I had a vote, I would vote for Giannis. What about you, Tyler? I'm going. I'm going with Embiid. Okay. Uh, I. I just. I think that you know, with everything that he had to deal with, uh, with the roster and the outside noise, um, and you know, the numbers that he put up, uh, you know, I don't think the Sixers would have been shit without him. No, they definitely which, wouldn't. Which have. is, I mean, which is the case with a lot of these guys. But I mean. He didn't have Ben Simmons. The, the, you know, the roster was built to have two superstars. There was only one. For most of the uh, year. For most of the year. So, All right. Uh, defensive player of the year, Tyler. Who do you got? I'm going with Marcus Smart this year. Interesting. I want, I want to see a perimeter player get it. Uh, okay. This is the first time I haven't voted for Rudy Gobert in like three years. Well, fuck Rudy Gobert. Um, but he, you know, I think that this year he deserves it. There's clearly a reason why. This Boston team took a step forward, you know, as far as in the win columns from last year. And I think that Marcus Smart and Robert Williams were were a big part of that. Um, yeah. You know, they, they became a good defensive basketball team. Jalen Brown was already a good two-way player. Jason Tatum's a decent two-way player. And so to have real legit stoppers on the perimeter with Marcus Smart and, you know, under the rim with Robert Williams, that really turned that team around. Definitely. Now, I think this year... Um, is probably one of the only years in recent memory where you probably could give it to a perimeter player. Mikael Bridges is also probably in the running as far as a, a perimeter player goes for defensive player of the year. I would give it to Jaron Jackson Jr. 2.3 blocks per game this year. He led the league in blocks. Phenomenal bounce back year after missing most of last year with a major injury and really just being the defensive anchor for that Memphis Grizzlies team and what he meant for that team, especially when John Morant was out, I would give it to Jaron Jackson Jr. And that's probably just more me thinking more traditionally, but I think Mikhail Bridges, Marcus Smart, they definitely have an argument for defensive player of the year this year for what they meant to their teams on the defensive end and taking on the other team's best player on defense and it, every it, night type of situation. And it's harder to put it's harder to put the perimeter defense into numbers, you know. Definitely. It's, it's, uh, definitely. You know, because if you guarded Kevin Durant and he scored 22, that's a fucking win. Right. You know, like, if but you, you might not it, have any type of steals or you, deflections. Yeah, yeah, if you made it hard for him and he had to work all night and and you kept him below his average, that's a win. You know, uh, those are tough jobs. Definitely. All right, for rookie of the year, Tyler, I'm going Scotty Barnes of the Raptors. 
He started all 74 games he played in. He was a big part of the Raptors' success this year. We kind of talked about them when we were talking about the playoffs, Mm -hmm. how they flew under the radar, and he probably flew under the radar just as well for a lot of people in Rookie of the Year votings. I'm not sure if he's even going to get it. Um, no, I, no, I think it might go to Evan Mobley. He's for sure. Um, you know, I think he's for sure in the running. Uh, he's probably number two to to Mobley, I would say. I just, I think he played I mean, more he, games he than Mobley. Play, the, he played he played a lot. And he was really productive. Um, Mobley, I think, just impacted his team the most as far as like, uh, you know, the Raptors have a lot going but on. But you could say them. the same thing about Scotty Barnes, and the Raptors had a better record than the Cavs. No, but I mean the Raptors have a better team. Like they have more set up there right. for him to be. You know, Scotty Barnes kind of just is a three, not not a three and D, but he's kind of a two way player that you know is a versatile forward. That does I think a lot he's of a prototypical things. NBA player you would want in today's NBA. He is, he is, he is. He's a two way forward, um, and so, but his game, you know, he can mesh with scores and and facilitators alike. Whereas. Mobley came into a team that, you know, had been struggling and he changed the dynamic instantly. Yeah. No, definitely. I I think it I think it ultimately I, will I would, go to Evan Mobley. I, I would vote for Evan Mobley. Yeah. No, I both guys I think have a very well deserved case. Um it's unfortunate that guys like Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green um kind of weren't in the running because of their team success. Because they they both had phenomenal no, yeah. years as well. Yeah, they kind of drifted off, you know. Uh the the kid down in Orlando, Wagner, he was he was in the mix a little bit. Giddy was in the mix a little bit. So um there's a lot of good rookies this year. Even Desmond Bain, I think. Oh, Desmond Bain took everybody by surprise. So all right, Tyler, let's move on to the sixth man of the year. Who do you got? I think I think it's gotta go Tyler Hero. Definitely. Uh, best team in the East, uh scoring guard off the bench. He's uh he's very much in that mold of the great six men's before him, you know, the Ginobili's and the Jamal Crawford's um Lou Williams. The Lou Williams, you know, just a, a dynamic energy scoring guard that can, can come in for, you know, whoever, whoever really, you know, three three different uh positions. So Yeah, I mean twenty point seven points per game, four and a half rebounds a game, four assists, forty four point seven percent from the field. 39.9% from three. He's yeah. the fourth player in NBA history to average 20 points off the bench. Eddie Johnson did it in 88, Ricky Pierce in 89, and Lou Williams did it back-to-back in 2017 and 2018. I just, I think yeah, every not, year... Not, not easy to do. No, not easy to do at all. And I just, I just think that every year Hero has improved and he's just really grown into that role to where Miami now can count on him every night and they know what they're getting from him. No, and he he is like he is a starter that comes off the bench. It's very much and like And he embraces it. Well, because you know, then that gives you it just it's nice to have a balance with your with your first team. So your starters, you know, those scores can be scores, the three and D guys and the defensive stoppers can do their thing, you know, instead of putting all of your scores in at the same time, you know. So uh, he he provides a lot of luxury for them. Definitely. All right. Most improved. Who you got? I got to go with Dejounte Murray. But there, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot of people that deserve, beautiful that deserve this award this year. Especially there was a lot of people I felt like. Yeah. Um, I'm going with Dejounte because I felt like uh, he you know he did a lot with with not very much, uh, and he did you know he had a historically great season as far as balanced numbers when it comes to points rebounds assists steals um doing things that not too many people have done only michael jordan did what he did 
this year. 29, 8, and 1. 28, 8, and 2. 28, 8, and 2. Yep. So he led the he led the NBA in steals the entire year. Two steals per game. Um, you know, he was top five in assists. He bumped his average up to 20 points. So holds the single uh, single season triple double record for the San Antonio Spurs. Which is pretty good. They're a pretty good franchise. So, his first all-star appearance this year. Uh, first all-star appearance, but you know, the the jaw argument is kind of murky i just don't believe a number two overall pick should win most improved there there's there's i definitely think that there's two you know two sides to that like obviously he did show a lot of improvement but we kind of assume that's the improvement he's doing what he's supposed to be doing based off the projections of a number two overall pick but then you know i do like you know miles uh miles bridges definitely had an you know eight points a game Uh, that's a huge jump to go from 12 to 20 uh darius garland had it had a had a monster uh, second year, um, and there was one more. Um, but yeah, those, I mean, I I think all those guys were very deserving. But I would vote for Dejounte. Yeah, me too. All right, Coach of the Year. Like I said, we've already talked good enough about the Clippers. Uh, I'm giving it to Ty Lue. That yeah, yeah. We, I think I think it, I think it's too bad. I mean, Monty Williams is is definitely. Uh, I don't think Ty. Guy, I, I but, don't think Ty Lue will get it from the league. Well, no, I think didn't they? Did they not already announce it? No, they uh, they do the NBA awards in June. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, um, they're probably going to end up giving it to Monty Williams, which is all right. But Ty Lue did the best job for what he had. Yeah, I mean the Suns were in the the Western Conference Finals last year, so yeah. All right, Tyler, let's wrap it up real quick. The Lake Show Lowdown. One item on the docket: the Lakers fire head coach Frank Vogel. It was basically a, a foregone conclusion for a while that Vogel's days were numbered. The the two-game win streak at the end of the year, their first time winning two games in a row since January 7th, that wasn't enough to save Vogel's hmm. job. Um, obviously, the way it got handled uh, received a lot of attention since Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN tweeted right after the game was over that Vogel had coached his final game for the team. And then in the post-game press conference, Frank Vogel gets asked about the report Uh, and the tweet that Woj put out there. And Vogel literally said, quote, I haven't been told shit. So the Lakers, they clearly could have handled this whole situation a lot better, which uh, could be said about a lot of different things uh, this season for the Lakers. But that's that's why they missed the playoffs. It's a perfect way to end it. Yeah, it's it really was. And now they have plenty of time to figure out uh, everything they need to figure out this offseason. And thank God for that, because they need all the time that they can get but let's let's talk about some possible replacements now for Vogel Nick Nurse Quinn Snyder Steve Clifford Doc Rivers Mark Jackson David Fisdale Phil Handy Jawan Howard have all been rumored to be in the running Nick Nurse Quinn Snyder Doc Rivers Jawan Howard they're all currently employed somewhere else uh Nick Nurse being under contract and just signing an extension I believe after the 2020 season with the Raptors Quinn Snyder is under contract with the Utah Jazz. Doc Rivers is under contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. Jawan Howard is under contract with the University of Michigan, and two of his sons will be freshmen on the team for the Wolverines next season. Um, David Fisdale is a LeBron guy. He was also one of Vogel's assistants this past season, but he has been a head coach before. So there's that. I like like Fisdale. Um, Phil Handy. Phil Handy would be interesting. He's a LeBron guy. He won a ring in Cleveland as an assistant in 2016. He's been the Lakers assistant coach since LeBron came back to the team. 
He won a ring in Toronto as an assistant in 2019, but he's also a Kobe guy. He was an assistant coach for the Lakers from 2011 to 2013. Uh, so he kind of has two tenures uh, with the Lakers. And then Steve Clifford, he spent a, a year away from basketball uh, after being fired from the Magic after the 2021 season. And then Mark Jackson hasn't coached since being fired by the Warriors in 2014. And reportedly, LeBron said he would be enthused by the idea of Mark Jackson being the next head coach for the Lakers, which LeBron James, in my opinion, is the only man in Los Angeles enthused about that idea. Huh. Uh, well, it, it, he's the only one's opinion that matters. <laughs> uh, you could say that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the Lakers would be super lucky to get someone like Nick Nurse or Quinn Snyder. I mean, Nick Nurse and Quinn Snyder are at the top of my list. But the guy that I would really like the, out of that list that's really intriguing is Steve Clifford, just because his ability to coach people up. Now, could he coach LeBron James? I don't know. But all I know is those war, those Magic teams that he got into the playoffs a couple years in a row were or, horrible. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he was coaching them up. We're yeah. talking about like what Ty Lue's doing in, in Los Angeles. You're talking about the Vucevic, um, Aaron, Gordon. Aaron Gordon teams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that I think that he, you know, Clifford has just always done a really good job of getting the most out of who he's got. So that would be that would be a really intrigue. That that just is never that's just a name that I never thought I would hear when it comes to the Lakers. So it was a name I saw on a Bleacher Report that article. One's, uh, that one's really interesting. But yeah, Quinn Snyder, uh Nick Nurse, I highly doubt those guys are walking through the door. Well the thing is you have you would have to trade for them and, and the problem is yeah. the Lakers are trying to get off the Russell Westbrook contract and they're gonna have to attach draft picks to that trade to get off of that contract. Teams when trading for a coach are realistically looking for draft compensation. Doc Rivers, I believe, was the last coach to be traded, uh, and he was traded from the Celtics to the Clippers, and the Clippers traded a first-round draft pick for Doc Rivers. I think Nick Nurse, as a NBA champion head coach, yeah. would warrant a first-round pick, and the Raptors would not want anything less than a first-round pick for someone like Nick Nurse. Quinn Snyder, I think you might be able to to trade a little bit less for but he also might get fired from Utah yeah, if like, their season ends badly. I like I like Fizdale as like the most realistic out of that group. Fizdale, I just I don't know if I, I think he might be too much of a LeBron yes man, but I, that's kind of what you are getting in this situation. But I also think you need a guy that can stand up to LeBron and kind of not like yell and scream at the team, but really like be an authoritative figure in the locker room. And I think that's what Vogel, I think was missing this year in really that authoritativeness to try and get guys to really, and like you were saying with Steve Clifford, coach them up and, and yeah. get them going. And it's like, these guys really shouldn't need that. They're, they're NBA players. They're at the top of the top. They, they shouldn't really need any more self-motivation than that. But sometimes you, you need a coach to be an authoritative no, it's figure much and a harder, motivator. It's much harder to coach up vets than it is young players. Too. But, and, and yeah, and I guess that might be why Frank Vogel thought he'd, maybe didn't need to do that aspect of, of the job this season. And I think that might've been one of his downfalls. Um, but I think that's what really could be missing from this Lakers team from a coaching aspect. One thing I don't want is a first year head coach. So I'd, I'd be very wary of Phil Handy being the head coach, but he has interviewed for head coaching jobs. It It is his time essentially to become a head coach, I would think, but the Lakers just aren't a first year head coach job. And that's what I would be wary about as well with Juwan Howard. I know he's not a first-time head coach 
overall, but a first-time head coach in the NBA yeah, is, yeah. is a lot different. I don't than, see Juwan Howard. That seems like a weird, weird mix. The only connection is the Miami Heat connection with LeBron yeah, being yeah. teammates in the assistant. Yeah, yeah. And he and the Rob Polinka connection because they were teammates with the Fab Five, and I believe he interviewed for the position. Uh, like when Luke Walton was getting it or something before Vogel in the yeah, the the, the summer of Ty, the the Ty Lue summer. Um, I. I, I've said it before, keep Doc Rivers as far away from the Lakers as possible. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening either. I hope not. Yeah. I hope not. But real quick, uh, I just want to talk about Frank Vogel for a second because at the end of the day, Frank Vogel is an NBA champion head coach for the Los Angeles Lakers. He got the short end of the stick this year. He yeah. he is He is partially the biggest scapegoat, I think, so far this offseason. We've yet to see what other moves the Lakers will make. It definitely wasn't all Frank Vogel's fault. I mean, right. there was a lot of problems with the Lakers, so he definitely got the short end of the stick. Yeah, and he was the first domino to fall. But I just, he, I don't think he's a bad coach. No, he's not. I mean, he's going to be a good pickup for whoever gets him. For sure. And I just, I think his time won't be remembered as fondly in the recent time, I hope down the road it'll be looked back more fondly because he was such an integral part of helping steer this Lakers franchise from such dark times of the whole China incident um, with Daryl Morey and the Lakers being stuck in China and not knowing what could happen, leading into Kobe passing away, leading into the pandemic, leading into the bubble, which then led to winning an NBA championship and, and the Lakers 17th championship they wouldn't have won it without Frank Vogel and his coaching decisions. So I just, I, I think it's unfortunate yeah, that he's shout out Frank Vogel, man. Yeah. He's a, he's a great coach. It, it, it is what it is. It's not like we didn't see this coming, but it's just, it's, it's too bad. And hopefully, you know, hopefully, you know, he finds a good landing spot and the Lakers move on. Yeah. So, all right, uh, you got a you got a shout out before we get out of here. It was uh, Frank Vogel? You're just your yeah, shout out. yeah. Nah, shout out Frank Vogel. He brought the, brought <laughs> home a chip, man. All right, well, uh, he got the king a ring. Yes, he did. He got the Lakers a ring and the king. Anyway, all right, I'm gonna shout out Clayton Kershaw. He had his first start of the year yesterday in Minnesota. Tyler, I, I asked you if you heard what happened uh, before we started recording, and you said you did not. So I've been I've been waiting to tell you about this. Clayton Kershaw had a perfect game going through seven innings. He had 13 strikeouts, and Dave Roberts decided to pull him from the game and not let him finish the perfect game that he was six outs away from completing. Dodgers fans were pissed. Dodgers fans understood it. There was pandemonium on Twitter when we saw on the TV Clayton Kershaw walking to the clubhouse as the game was going to commercial before the start of the eighth inning. There have only been 23 perfect games in the history of Major League Baseball. Clayton Kershaw has a no-hitter. It was almost a perfect game, but Hanley Ramirez had a throwing error, and that ended up breaking up the perfect game, and there was an error on the on the box score, and so Clayton Kershaw just has the no-hitter against the Colorado Rockies. Now... Seven innings into a perfect game, 13 strikeouts, his first start of the season. He thought he was potentially going to need Tommy John surgery this offseason. He contemplated retirement this offseason. 
He dealt with so many injuries last year, and now he's in his first start throwing a perfect game. Dave Roberts takes him out. And after the game, Roberts said, like, I have to think about Kershaw's long-term health. Yeah. And Kershaw said he agreed with the decision. Catcher Austin Barnes said that he agreed with the decision, and Kershaw seemed to be getting tired uh, in the seventh inning. Uh, and Kershaw also basically said with where he's at in his career, um, a perfect game, that's really a selfish goal. He, he's got bigger goals than yeah. than a perfect game. Yeah. Yep. And so it, in the moment, I was pissed. But, like, as, as the day went on and, and I saw uh, more quotes from Kershaw come out, like, I was like, you know what, if Kershaw's okay with it, I'm good with it. But it was just crazy to see, like, we're, we're witnessing history yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. The greatest pitcher sure. of this generation. And so it, it was a crazy scenario. Uh, ultimately, I think I'm okay with it. Um, my heart wanted him to, to go out there and complete the perfect game, but he uh, my, my head knows it was the right decision not to. But I just wanted to shout out Clayton Kershaw for just coming back and just looking dominant. It was, a, it was a vintage Kershaw performance Kershaw's yesterday. Man. Love Kershaw. Greatest, greatest pitcher uh, of this generation, in my opinion. And as we wrap up, Tyler, the the Dodgers have two outs in the bottom of the fifth against the Cincinnati Reds in their home opener here in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers are winning three to nothing. So what a way to end the episode. So with that, that wraps up episode 245 of the TSK Show. For Tyler Pacholke, I'm Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. We appreciate you all so much for listening to us. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.